यत्तदग्रे यत्तदग्रे तत्सुखं सात्विकं तत्सुखं सात्विकं आत्मबुद्धि आत्मबुद्धि that happiness that is born of the purity of one's own mind and the happiness that is born of the clarity of the self-knowledge that sukham or the happiness is called sattvikam, born of sattva. Sattva means purity, sattva means clarity. Therefore, when our heart is pure or the heart is clear, that means the impurities of rajas and tamas Represented by Raga and Dvesha, when the impurities are removed and the heart becomes a clear, transparent uh, medium, then the happiness, which is the self, gets very clearly reflected in that. <coughs> when the surface is disturbed, then the reflection is not clear. And when there is a lot of dirt in there, there is no reflection at all. So imagine a pool of water, then the heart is like the clear, transparent, undisturbed pool of water, then what is at the bottom, namely, the happiness that is the self, that becomes very clear. <coughs> Therefore, sattvikam sukham. And since it is a happiness coming from one's own self, it is a happiness which is effortless. Therefore it is uncreated, and therefore it is everlasting. See, what is created must go. 
in order that something doesn't go away, in order that something ever remains, it should be uncreated. Uncreated means it must be already there and then only it can be uncreated. If the happiness is already there and that is my nature, that's the nature of myself, then how come I don't seem to experience it? Because it's like the sun. It is shining but it's covered by the clouds and therefore we do not perceive the light. And so the self is ever full, ever the nature of happiness, but because that happiness or fullness is covered by the clouds of raga and the dvesha, the likes and dislikes, rajas and tamas, and therefore, in spite of its being there, we do not experience it. Therefore, a human being concludes that unhappiness is my nature. Just because he does not experience happiness within, or whenever he looks within himself, he always finds an agitated self, an incomplete or inadequate self, an unsatisfied self, therefore he concludes that unhappiness is my nature and happiness is out there and therefore he is seeking happiness from something other than himself. That will be the next fellow. But here, because of a clear intellect, the person knows that happiness I am seeking is not to be found outside of myself, is to be brought to manifestation from my own self and therefore his effort is to remove the clouds of Ragadveshas born of aviveka, non-discrimination and therefore by discrimination and by a proper way of life in the, the intellectual discrimination clarity about the goal as well as about the means at the level of the action also an action that is compatible to that goal compatible to the attainment of what is already attained so this sukham, the happiness of the self can be categorized as the attainment of what is already attained the attainment of the tenth man who is already attained. But somehow because of a false notion he is thought to be unattained and similarly also the happiness is already attained but because this false notion is thought to be unattained attainment of the unattained. Unattainment of the attained. This is the clarity. And therefore his life is one of the nature of getting rid of these obstacles of Ragadvesha that is the his actions become means of dropping or letting go or giving up of Ragadveshas. As a result, he gains a clarity of the mind, a clarity of the heart, and therefore the happiness which is one's own nature becomes very clear. <coughs> it keeps on becoming clear. It's not that someday I will become happy. As this process goes on, you keep discovering the happiness that is yourself or the freedom. And then when no impurities remain, that happiness just becomes very clear, naturally expressing, uncreated. And then with the teaching, the knowledge that happiness is myself is not difficult. When there is an experience of happiness within myself, which experiences without any reason, I am happy just by my nature, because the mind is clear, then when the teacher tells me that that happiness you are, it is very easy to understand. So this clarity of the mind with the help of teaching results into the knowledge of the self. But even without the knowledge of the self also the person is happy because his heart is clear. And so it is a happy mind that can discover the happiness that is the self. It's a pure mind that can discover the purity that is the self. And therefore sattvikam sukham, the sukha, the happiness, born of sattva, born of clarity can be understood in two ways. 
It is a happiness born of the clarity of the mind, leading to the happiness born of the clarity of the self. <coughs> so clarity of the mind also makes me happy, and then of course the self-knowledge makes me happy forever. Atmaniva Atmana Tushtaha. That is how, that's why Lord Krishna describes the wise person as Atmaniva Atmana Tushtaha. One who is satisfied with himself by himself. And therefore, Parinami Amrutopam. And therefore, this pursuit leads to what we call an abiding happiness. Because it's a happiness which is uncreated and therefore which ever remains. What is created will go away. What is not created will ever remain. It is everlasting happiness. However, to gain that happiness, an initial effort is required to let go of our likes and dislikes. Since I am dearly holding to likes and dislikes, and since I see my security in the likes and dislikes, so there is a reason why I hold on to my anger, hold on to my attachments, aversion, because I see security in them. And therefore, letting them go is a painful process. Value for gaining a control over yourself. When you value for making your mind abiding in in the self, then every time you are able to assert yourself, assert your dhruti or fortitude, and are able to restrain your likes and dislikes, you feel happy. Every time you are able to tell the truth, even after suffering, let's say, some pain or discomfort or embarrassment or humiliation or loss or whatever it is, but suppose you're able to tell the truth, in spite of that loss, you feel good about it. Actually, you have self-worth. You feel happy about yourself. There may be some pain. Yeah, if I don't have value of it, then it's painful. If I speak truth, but I don't have value for speaking truth, the value of value is not understood, then practicing value becomes very painful because there is only a loss and there is no gain. And I see other fellows getting away by, you know, by being dishonest and I am honest and I stand to lose and there is pain. But if I have value for the value, I know that honesty is the best policy. That by being honest or truthful I am not obliging anybody else, I am obliging myself and I clearly know what the benefit is. Then every time I am able to assert the value, I am happy that I could assert that that I could gain that control over myself. And thus, every time I do that, it only increases my self-worth. It gives me an inner strength, and therefore, even then it is, it is pleasant process. It's a process which is in fact brings about happiness then. But to somebody it can be called a painful process because there is some apparent loss involved in terms of some material gain which you may have to let go in order to assert your values. Tatsukham sattvikam proktam. This is a happiness that is accompanied with freedom. And happiness accompanied with lack of exertion. Ultimately results into happiness which is uncreated, natural, effortless. Because it is my own self and therefore this person ultimately abides in the happiness that is his own self. That is what we call the everlasting happiness. Jnanam labdha param shantim in the fourth chapter, Lord Krishna said, having gained the knowledge, one attains that lasting peace. Naishthikim shantim, the shanti, the abiding peace, which is one's own nature. So whether you call it peace, whether you call happiness, but the word peace is a better word. 
because we always are so happy and with some kind of an experience and some excitement. And therefore it may be difficult for us to appreciate the happiness that is free from excitement. But when there is an excitement, there is also going to be excitement, whatever, the opposite of it, you know. And so when there is an elation, there is going to be depression also. This is free from elation and depression, free from every reaction. It is, as you said, a natural cheerfulness, a natural happiness, uncreated happiness, fullness, a total comfort with myself, a total satisfaction with myself, which doesn't involve any impulsive reaction. <coughs> that is this thought becomes sukham, the happiness born of sattva. In the verse 38, then Lord Krishna discusses the, the happiness born of rajas. Vishaya Indriya Sanyogat, Vishaya Indriya Sanyogat, Yattadagrem Rutopamam, Yattadagrem Rutopamam, Pariname Vishamiva, Pariname Vishamiva, Tatsukham Raja Samsmurtam, Tatsukham Raja Samsmurtam. Another kind of happiness. Vishendriya Sanyogat, Jatam Sukham, the happiness that is born because of Sanyoga, because of contact of Vishaya and Indriya. Vishaya are the objects of pleasure, Indriya are the sense organs, and therefore the happiness that is born as a result of the contact of the sense object with sense organs. Meaning the happiness coming from the objects of pleasure. Happiness coming from something outside of myself, that's all. So, sattvic happiness, the happiness born of sattva, is the happiness born of oneself. The happiness that is rajas is happiness born of something other than myself, meaning the objects of the world. They can be the sensuous objects, shabdas, parsha, rupa, rasa, gandha, pleasurable sounds, pleasurable touch, pleasurable ob- I mean, colors and forms, pleasurable taste, pleasurable touch, pleasurable fragrance, whatever. All these pleasurable things which gratify my senses, that is Raja Samsukam. All the happiness that comes on account of other achievements, on account of power, on account of position, on account of recognition, on account of fame. So that happiness, as I said, gratifies my ego, there is also the happiness coming from the matter. So what is the happiness coming from the spirit, the self? Other is the happiness coming from the matter. Vishayendriya Sanyogat. See, I do not need to contact myself with sense organs, understand? See, the earlier happiness, the sattvic sukham, is not because of Sanyoga, not because of association. It is svabhava, it is the very nature of the self. This happiness, on the other hand, is born out of the contact. It has to be created. Contact with sense organs with sense objects. I must bring into operation my sense organs. I must bring into operation my mind. I must also have the objects which are pleasurable. And when thus all these factors coincide, that the object must be also anukula, must be favorable to me, my sense organs also have the capacity to experience that object, and my mind is in mood to enjoy. Three factors required. The food must be good. Then my stomach must be all right. You know, the food is good. And the plate is brought to me. 
I'm sorry, I am not going to eat this evening. Swami, what happened? Look, you know what all is cooked? How wonderful things. I know, but my stomach is not in order. There is some problem there, I cannot eat. Meaning that the object, pleasurable object is there, but the sense organ is not capable of enjoying it. Sometimes the food is also there, I may be hungry also and still I don't come to the dining hall. Having come to the dining hall, I walk out of the dining hall also. Why? I'm hurt, I'm unhappy, I'm, you know, something has happened. Even as I was walking to the dining hall, somebody said something and I just got upset. I don't know it. Or, the food is good, I'm hungry, it's, it's presented to me in a manner that is insulting, you know. Suppose, I don't know, I'm standing there in line and somebody threw something in my plate. I don't know, somebody did something, or I, I thought somebody did something, I got hurt. I don't know to eat, that's it, I walk out. So mind is not in mood. So object must be likable. My sense organ with which I experience it also must be in proper order must have the capability and my mind also must be in mood. When these three factors coincide, this is not easy for three things to coincide, they are in alignment, not easy. But if that happens, then there is an experience which we call the experience of happiness. It is a sensation. See, the happiness coming from the self is not a sensation. This is a sensation, it's a kick that you get, it's a sensation that you get. It is something that is created. There is happiness. And Lord Krishna says, That which in the beginning is like nectar, is very sweet. Because it does not require any control over the self. I love to eat, the food is there, I eat it, I enjoy it and I am happy. And therefore, experiencing this pleasure, my, I am just in a mood to go to a movie, or forget about everything, let's go to the movie. Go and enjoy. Enjoy a movie, enjoy, go to a restaurant, enjoy this, enjoy all kinds of things, you know. The rap music, whatever it is, so enjoy that. Whatever you feel like, enjoy it. So here is a person who follows the impulses. As the impulse comes, he follows the impulse and enjoys it, has a good time. And therefore no exertion is involved, no self-control is involved, I don't have to keep any, any of my, any my mind or my impulses under restraint. I can allow my impulses or my moods to just have a free expression. And therefore, it is very convenient, it is very easy, it is, therefore they said in the beginning, it is, it is very sweet. Because I need not have any control or any restraint over myself. And this is the cult these days, is pleasure and therefore enjoy what you want, as you want, when you want, however you want and the person who can do that is successful. So today when a person is 70 years old and he or she can do what they could do at the age of 20, you know, suppose he could do that, at the age of 20 I can, I can dance and I can drink and I can do all kinds of things, at the age of 70 also I can do, then I am a successful person. So people don't want to grow, I guess, you know. That's how is. look how young he is, how, you know, young he is, he's 70, he can do. A 20, what a 20 year old person can do. That means the fellow is not grown at all. 
he has not discovered he has not discovered any more profound source of happiness at all he still goes for the same things anyway so in as much as i don't think it is easy to do it at the age of 70 what he was doing at the age of 20 i don't know how to do that but anyway suppose somebody could do that i don't think it is even possible but suppose it was done that is a, it sounds very pleasure it sounds very easy to do this because no ray i don't have to keep any reins or control over my mind my sense organs my moods my impulses everything can have a free rein there is freedom but is there freedom where is freedom that is important is there freedom in this happiness born of the the objects the material things or is there freedom in the happiness born of the spirit of the self it appears as though the happiness coming from the self is very strenuous and therefore who wants to bother your classical dance your classical music who wants to bother that required i must cultivate a certain subtle faculties of appreciating appreciating fine things on the other hand when it is noisy it's easy which is fine but the thing is that in the beginning all that pleasure appears to be very sweet because it doesn't require any self control parinaame vishamiva however it turns into poison swami that is what the vedantins always say that's why the western people always criticize also this vedanta of hinduism because they always talk about this restraint self control because they don't know how to enjoy life the eastern people the indians did not eastern people did not know how to enjoy life therefore they went out to forest and they always modified their bodies and always performed penances but then parinaame vishamiva lord krishna says that this way of life or what we call indulgence are giving free rein to my impulses and following the impulses of my senses and therefore allowing the senses to do what they want what happens slowly and slowly i become more and more dependent understand that this is very this is an addiction it it's addictive it creates an addiction and soon before i realize i become dependent upon that soon before i realize it is not i who is drinking the alcohol the alcohol is drinking me it is not i who is drinking coffee the coffee is drinking me in the beginning there is a kick you know i who is smoking in course of time the smoke starts smoking me when i swami ji uh, you know i wanted to give up tea and i gave up the tea but why there's such a headache and all kinds of things happen in my stomach then i realized how tea had quietly taken hold of me and now i know that if i miss my tea i'm going to have a headache and thus the tea blackmails me and therefore i must make sure that before seven and not only that i should have a tea in the morning i must have it before seven o'clock if it gets too late seven thirty or eight o'clock that's it then i give a migraine and so this is what happens it starts as fun in course of time before i realize i get used to it and then i become needy and then i get controlled by it as i said comfort comes as a guest lingers on to become host and stays on to enslave me and this is true of every kind of a pleasure the material pleasure comes as a guest 
lingers on to become host and stays on to enslaving. And thus, this is addiction. What happens to the human mind being what it is, it gets easily bored with the same thing, therefore it wants variety. Also it's a fanciful mind and therefore it likes it for a few minutes, then it just changes its mind and it doesn't like it. If my mind was steady, if my sense organs already had the capacity to enjoy, any of the sense organs are available, I don't, we don't need Vedanta. If the objects of pleasure are always available, if my sense organs always had the capability of enjoying them, and if my mind was always in a mood to enjoy them, that means that you could always get the happiness whenever you want from the pleasure objects, fine, we can close these books. Swami, you mean that? Yes, because what do we want in life? Happiness, that's all we want. Atmanasukamaya saram prem Vedanta also becomes clear because dear because my, I am myself is dear. <coughs> Who will study Vedanta? Who will come to Guru Kulam and you know, I mean live here? Why is even Vedanta you know pleasing to us? Is only because I see some benefit in there. I'm seeking happiness and Vedanta tells me how to gain that happiness. If otherwise the worldly objects would give me always happiness I wanted, we don't need anything. But as I said, it is a life of dependence, of bondage. And thus, as I, I, as I indulge, as the indulgence continues, I become more and more addicted to that. And I get controlled by them. And what also happens, in course of time, I keep on losing my vitality. It is not that, see, to enjoy the pleasure of this sense object, I have to pay the price. It is that, you know, in my food also I add this chili and spices and oil and the red powder and all kinds of gunpowder and all sorts of things. It's, it's enjoyable. Next morning my stomach tells me what is what, you know, after two hours it may tell me. I must pay the price for every material pleasure, understand that. And that's the reason why Shankaraja says here, Bala, Virya, Rupa, Pragna, Medha, Dhana, Utsaha, Han, Hetutvat. There is loss of strength, loss of vigor, loss of beauty, loss of wisdom, loss of memory, loss of wealth, loss of enthusiasm. This is the price that one has to pay also because I cannot enjoy something unless I am paying the price in terms of my vitality. And then Shankaraja gives the picture also of a person who has lived a life like this. Angam galitam palitam mundam dashanavihinam jadam tundam vruddhoyadigruhitvadandam Describing an old person. Angam galitam, the body has become very loose and totally weak. Palitam mundam, hair has become grey or or hair has become without hair, whatever, hair has become grey, or lost the hair. Dashanavihinam jatam tundam, the mouth is without the teeth. Vruddhoyadi gruhitvadandam, he is not able to carry his own weight in the air, he has a staff in his hand, and with which he is walking. This is a picture of an old man, which is walking. I mean, that is not really anybody's fault that a person grows old. The problem here is what? When a person grows old, we expect that he also has grown in his maturity. Tadapina manchadi ashapindam. But even then, he does not give up all these cravings. So, Bhartuhari says that we have grown old, but our cravings have remained ever strong. 
Usually it is thought that everything ages in time. <coughs> Not everything. Trishnana jirna, vayameva jirna. I have aged in time, but my desire, my craving has not aged, it has become stronger and stronger. <coughs> and therefore a time comes when, when one come, becomes, you know, very in a, comes in a very pitiable condition that the mind is craving for the things and the body has no capacity to enjoy it. <coughs> but anyway, not only that, but this is what happens also. As one keeps on, you know, following simply one's impulses, then the mind wants more and more. I can never be satisfied also with the, the sensuous pleasure and a time comes when I may be even required to compromise my values. It's not very far away that this person will, so he'll become greedy also, he'll become slowly and slowly what we call the negative tendencies also will rise in him. Because karma, karma means this, uh, this craving for sensuous pleasure and that gives us to krodha. When my desire is not satisfied, results into anger. When it is satisfied, it wants more and more. So, kama, krodha, lobha, moha, madha, matsarya. That greed, delusion, pride, jealousy, all these things are going to come. And therefore, the asuri vritti, the demoniac tendency, slowly come into his mind. And a time comes when he finds himself even compromising his values of dharma. They follow the path of dharma also. And they were spiritually also, there is a declining. Ultimately he may go to hell or he may be born in some kind of lower species or whatever it is, but he declines. So there is a declining with reference to one's own personality, one's own vigor, as well as declining with reference to one's own spirituality, one's own maturity. So this is a total loss, parinana vishamiva. It is binding, it is constraining. It, it also is accompanied with a loss of my vigor, also accompanied with bondage, accompanied with falling in my spiritual status. In every way, it is harmful. <coughs> and then also, so, actually the problem is that when I think that I'm enjoying an object, in fact I'm enjoying myself only. Have you heard the example of a dog? You may have heard, this is a standard example that they give, you know, Mahatmas give. A dog who is chewing this dry bone, the dogs like to chew those bones, you know. He keeps on chewing it. I don't know what does he get out of it. There's nothing in there. But still the dog keeps on chewing it. It seems to get some rasa out of it, some kind of a taste out of it. And what is it? What happens is that the sharp edges of the bone, bone cut his mouth inside and then his mouth is bleeding. And that blood is what the dog is tasting. So when the dog chews a bone, he tastes his own blood. He thinks that it is coming from the bone. The dog keeps on chewing and chewing. Ultimately the fellow gets so injured, you know. If his master comes to know, owner, then of course he will remove it. If he doesn't come to know, this poor dog really gets so hurt. Similarly also, when I am experiencing what we call the pleasures coming from material, I think that it is coming from there. In fact, the pleasure, that is happiness, is only one source, namely the self. And therefore, I am only experiencing happiness of myself. Just a delusion to believe that happiness comes from the objects. And just as a dog gets injured in course of time, and so a human being also gets injured or wounded. Tatsukham rajasam srutam, this happiness, happiness born of the sense pleasure, or the objective, or the material, material object, is called Rajasam Sukham, born of Rajas.
<coughs> of course, when the rajas is there, there is a natural fascination for the sensuous pleasures. There is a natural fascination for objective achievements. And that, that is why this sukham is called rajasam sukham, born of rajas. And in verse 39, the happiness born of tamas. the happiness which is agre anubandecha atmanaha mohanam that sukham that happiness which in the beginning as well as end is self-deluding there is no happiness there is the delusion of the happiness in sattvikam sukham happiness coming from the self rajasam sukham happiness coming from the matter tamasam sukham a delusion of happiness I think I'm ha- I think there is some kind of an experience of happiness. In fact, there is no happiness, a delusion of happiness. Nidra alasya pramadottam, born of sleep. Nidra alasya laziness, pramada inadvertence. This happiness is called tamasam sukham, the happiness born of tamas. You see, this happiness born of dropping out, happiness born of the relief that that one gains. When you just give up something difficult. Typically in India, you know, when the annual examinations are coming, particularly the board examinations are coming and the children are working hard for the whole year. And then at the end, you know, looks like this boy, you know, that he won't be succeeding, he cannot succeed in the examination. Therefore, he declares to his father, just a day before the examination, Dad, I have taken a drop. Meanwhile, I am not going to appear for the exam next year. And there is a tremendous relief taking a drop because it's a lot of strain and therefore just dropping out. So this is also some kind of happiness. What's happiness? Happiness of not having to undertake any strain or stress. And so this is a Thomas fellow. A person whose mind is, is, is I mean, you know, predominant in Thomas has a tendency to avoid things. Avoid any kind of a pain, avoid any kind of a strain, avoid any exertion. So it is not that he enjoys any happiness of the self, but he doesn't want to take any trouble. He doesn't want to exert, that's all. So this is called laziness or lethargy, the lethargic person. <coughs> he also has some happiness. I mean, you know, all right, he can sleep well, you know, that's one good thing about him also. And therefore, any time he doesn't, you know, Okay, goes to sleep, that's all. And then he doesn't have to face the realities of life. How to avoid facing realities of life? That is tamas. Fighting with realities of life, rajas. Understanding and being comfortable with realities, sattva. Not understanding and then fighting with realities, rajas. And avoiding realities, tamas. So realities are there in the life. Understanding them and discovering comfort with them, sattva. Not understanding properly and fighting with them, struggling with them, rajas. And avoiding them is tamas. 
So this tendency to avoid anything that is difficult is the tendency that is there in a person in whose mind there is tamas. Even now and then we also, each one of us does it. It is not that this is a trait of a particular person. But yes, a person having more of tamas will be doing it more often. But everybody has tamas and every now and then we find ourselves, I don't want to do that. Swamiji, I don't believe in that, you know. So when there is something difficult which I think I should do, there is a duty. It's not that we necessarily have to do difficult things. But sometimes what we are required to do is a little difficult. What we call the duty, what the situation calls for in terms of the response, that is what, I, what we call duty, sometimes that is difficult or painful. It involves exertion. It involves physical exertion, it may involve even the mental exertion. And since I want to avoid exertion, I avoid the duty, justify why I should not do that. So this person will also find justification of why they should not do it. And then, having justified to themselves, then he doesn't do that, there is also a relief. It is like this, that I am climbing up a hill, you know when you go to Himalayas, you go to Kwedaranath and Yamanotri and then there is a trekking involved there. 12, 15, 18 kilometers of trekking. And maybe you have your backpack and things like that and you are trekking and then you get tired. You take your backpack and just put it on a stone on the side, you know, and then there is a relief. Similarly also in life, there is a lot of struggle sometimes and therefore just drop it. Avoid it. Drop out. So avoiding something, dropping out of something, all of these also has it has a value of at least avoiding pain and therefore giving me a relief. It is not happiness, but some kind of delusion of happiness. Which in the beginning as well as the end is only deluding. Nidralasya pramadottam, the sukham, the happiness born of the sleep, born of laziness, born of inadvertence. Sometimes, some, I, I keep, sometimes person is not lazy, he is quite active. See, there, is, there are two things, alasya and pramada. Alasya means laziness. I know what is to be done and I don't do that. I don't feel like doing it, Sahaja. I'm just not interested. I'm not motivated. Don't feel like doing and therefore you don't do. The pramada, inadvertence is a different thing. This fellow is very busy, but busy doing wrong things or busy doing useless things. What he should do, he does not do because it is you know, sometimes, you know, writing letters and writing certain things that we don't enjoy much. Or doing certain tasks. Then what you do? You do something else. I mean, you write some letters which are, you know, not very important. Do some other tasks, you know, start cleaning the house and stuff like that, you know. And then, so you keep yourself busy all night. But doing something different from what you should have been doing. I know that I should do meditation in the morning, that's okay. I, I go for jogging, you know. I do something, but then avoid something difficult, that's all. I know meditation is very boring, you know, it's just whatever. Therefore, avoid it. Although Lord Krishna said, Abhyasa Dharmate Yatra, keep on practicing, then in course of time you'll discover the joy of it. But practicing becomes a little painful, then avoid it. Yoga, we start doing it, you know, three days, seven days, it goes on and then ultimately, it means what, you have to wake up one hour early and, you know, it's difficult to give up bed, particularly when it is winter, you know, and then it is cool and very pleasant and who wants to give up the blanket and therefore it doesn't matter. And when I close my alarm, 
I have one hour all if I had to do my yoga or exercise or jogging or anything, I would have to wake up one hour early. And when that morning I decide, today I am not going to do that. And what an amount of relief there is. I shut my alarm and go back to sleep happily. And so, there is also happiness. Happiness of avoiding something that is painful. Or, instead of doing the meditation in the morning, or doing yoga, I wake up that time alright. But instead of doing yoga or meditation, I start, uh, I start writing letters, you know, something like that. Something else, which doesn't require any exertion. Avoid something that involves my exertion or that requires my attention and doing something else. There is also another way of escaping, escaping the unpleasant. So therefore in honor death, the always difficult things pile up. You always leave them at the end and then easy things you always address. So on the managerial desk also, whatever easy things are there, they do first. Difficult things are postponed. Ultimately what happens? It ultimately results into a crisis. If we had addressed the difficult thing to begin with and accepted that pain, we could have avoided a lot of pain later on. But since we did not accept that pain at that time, we wind up with a lot of pain. So not that, just by avoiding pain, nobody can actually, by post, you can only postpone pain, you can never get rid of it. Pain has to come in one form or the other. And when it comes, if I don't, I don't confront it, it will come in a very unpleasant way, very un, you know, very uncomfortable way. But anyway, this, this Thomas fellow does not understand and therefore he avoids it. The Rajas fellow also suffers a lot of pain, but he suffers pain which doesn't remove pain, which perpetuates pain. And Satvik person suffers the pain which eliminates the pain. So person is Satvik, he confronts the pain knowing that that is the way to go, grow. No pain, no gain. And therefore, he uses the very pain as a process of growth, to grow in the inner strength. The fellow with rajas, he also has a lot of exertion, but it just goes to waste because it goes in all these the wasteful activities or sensuous activities. And Thomas fellow, he avoids pain and ultimately has to confront twice the amount of pain. So how one person uses pain to his advantage? Somebody said that this is an intelligent man. He takes the stones thrown at him, you know, people throw rocks at him and stones at him. He takes the very stones and then builds a, 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 a wall around, you know. Similarly also a sattvic person takes all the pain that comes to him and uses for his own growth. A person that just creates the pain unnecessarily and then perpetuates the pain. A person with tamas, he avoids the pain and ultimately invites it in much more enhanced measure. <coughs> so Sattvic, Rajas and Tamas. And thus Lord Krishna has discussed all the aspects or all the important aspects of our personality. For a summary of what has been done, that's the reason I was late in the class and I can see the Something is missing here in the copy, but anyway, so uh, please come along and distribute this to the people here. Three columns here mark Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. In your 
duplicate copy, the sattva, rajas, tamas are, are lost, you know. But anyway, the first column is category. Second column is sattva. Third column is rajas. Last column is tamas, okay. So where it says calmness, that calmness is sattva. <coughs> Agitation when it says it is rajas. And dullness when it says it is tamas. So Lord Krishna has discussed the six categories. Jnanam karma cha First of all, Lord Krishna said, I will describe to you Jnanam, karma and karta. Jnana means knowledge, karma means action, karta means a doer. And then, buddher bhedam dhrutesceva. Intellect and resolve of firmness, of fortitude. And sukham tridhanim trividam shrunu, happiness. These six categories Lord Krishna has described. Say knowledge, sattvic knowledge, rajasam jnanam, tamasam jnanam. What is the knowledge that is sattvic? One. So, one who sees oneness, the knowledge with which one sees oneness, unity in diversity. Sarabhuteshu yenaikam bhavam avyamikshate. One who sees the same person, the same self in all the personalities. One who sees unity in diversity. That means one whose knowledge is of the non-dual self, that knowledge is the sattvikam jnanam. That's the ultimate goal, sattvikam jnanam. Or the extent to which your mind becomes sattvik, to that extent the differences become less and less important and the sameness becomes more and more important. It doesn't happen in one day, it's a growth process. It's a process. As the mind becomes clear and I mean sattvik, the differences become less and less important. And the sameness becomes more and more important. Ultimately, it culminates into the vision of sameness, oneself in all the personalities. The Rajasam Jnana, the knowledge that Rajasam, he says, diversity, where is diversity? That fellow so unity and diversity. This person sees diversity and diversity, meaning he takes what he perceives as real, and therefore he thinks there are so many Atmas and so many persons are there. <clears throat> he thinks that every Atma is different and every Atma is also different of different characteristics. <clears throat> and the Tamas Jnana, what does he see? He sees everything in one. He takes one form and he says, this is everything. He takes one body and says, this is a self. He takes one image and says, this is God. You know? And so, seeing everything in one. One in everything is one thing, everything in one is the opposite of it. His mind is narrowness, there is narrowness in the mind, constricted vision and obstinate vision. This is the Tamasam Jnanam. The Lord Krishna categorizes action. That sattvic action is prompted by a spirit of duty, a spirit of offering, a spirit of worship. So when there is sattva, there is a spirit of offering, worship, selflessness and duty, and therefore a sattvic person's action is prompted by this spirit. When there is rajas, there is desire, craving, as we said, insecurity. And therefore, his actions are prompted by a person. Having rajas, his actions are prompted by 
personal desire, he has a personal agenda, attachment, for him the result is very important. For the sattvic person, the action is important, for the rajas person, the reward is very important. So he's attached to the reward and his actions are self-centered. The actions of the sattvic person are going to be selfless, this person's actions are self-centered. And how about the tamas fellow? He does his actions that are useless and thoughtless. It doesn't help him, it doesn't help anybody. They are generally thoughtless and harmful actions, in fact. It hurt other people. <coughs> that is the actions originating from a mind having tamas. The doer, the ego, karta. A, a sattvic person is a yogi. And therefore he is a spiritual person. Not only a religious person, but a spiritual person. Understand the difference between religious and spiritual person. A religious person is the one who follows the religious code of conduct. A spiritual person is the one who is committed to the growth of the self, self-growth or spiritual growth. So his commitment is to the values of life, to the knowledge and to the values of life and therefore a life that is dedicated to, uh, to service or dedicated to offering. And a person can be both religious as well as spiritual. A sattvic person is likely to be both spiritual as well as religious, but primarily a spiritual person. He is a yogi and he is a person who is a giver. He is always diligent, graceful, composed, whether the results are favorable or not favorable, he is composed in his mind, maintains what we call a calmness or sameness of the mind. This is a sattvic person. The person who is religious is not a yogi, he is a bhogi. Therefore he performs action for bhoga for materialistic pleasure and for materialistic achievement. He is an ambitious person, materialistic ambitions. The sattvic person is giving, this fellow is demanding. Sattvic person is selfish, this fellow is selfish. Sattvic person is graceful, calm, composed, this fellow is reacting. This is the rajas person. And tamas fellow, again, he is, he is a useless fellow. Not only he is deceitful, he is wicked, his mind is unsteady and he is harmful and hurting. That is the person with tamas. Intellect, sattvic intellect, there is clarity, discrimination, objectivity. This, this intellect is clear about the goal, that yes, what I am seeking is moksha. And clear about the path, that renunciation is the way of life. Tyage manushu. It is a tyaga or spirit of renunciation or giving or offering that a person actually gains moksha and that is clear about the goal as well as about the path. The person with rajas, that intellect has lack of clarity. That thinks that the moksha means going to heavens or happiness means gaining material things and therefore he sees his happiness and security in the matter and therefore he is always going, running off chasing them. His mind is a projecting mind. He projects happiness where it is not and then runs after that. He projects unhappiness where it is not and then he hates it. And therefore, he is a reacting person. He is seeking comfort and pleasure and always projecting the Raga and Dvesha and working to fulfill his Raga Dveshas. The Sattvic person works to eliminate Raga Dvesha. The Rajas person works to fulfill the Raga Dvesha. <coughs> and the intellect of the Tamas that is a false understanding. What is dharma? He interprets that as a dharma. What is a dharma? 
he interprets as dharma. What is wrong, he interprets that as right. What is right, he interprets as wrong. This is the intellect of a tamogani person. Then dhruti, the fortitude or firmness or resolve. You hold on to something. Sattvic person holds on to moksha. He holds on to values. Because there are forces which, which, you know, which come in your way and therefore if you are not very firm, it will drop. If you are not firm about things, then you won't be able to hold on to things. Like Harishchandra, he was firm about his truth and doesn't matter what happens to him. And if his wife also has to be given up, if child also has to be given up, anything that is to be given up, he holds on to the truth. Nashikeda holds on to the truth. It means his life is to be given up, okay. Rama holds on to his value. The, the kingdom is to be given up, okay. So that kind of a holding on to righteousness, to the truth, to the values, this is the intellect with sattva. Because it knows the value of values. That's the reason why it holds on to values. It holds on to moksha. And therefore, there is what we call the self-control. There is the integration of the mind. There is the concentration of the mind, ultimately leading to what we call samadhi or focusing or abiding in the self. Whereas, a person with rajas, what does he hold on to? He holds on to pleasure and comfort. That's what he holds on to. Sattvic person holds on to moksha. The person with rajas holds on to comfort and pleasure. And therefore, he cannot hold on to values. He can hold on as long as they don't oppose his comfort and pleasure. But when pleasure and comfort are threatened, he drops the value. He holds on to comfort, holds on to pleasure. Very important, what do we hold on to in our life? It's extremely important. Person with rajas holds on to pleasure and comfort. He is given to impulses and therefore very impulsive person. <coughs> and the person with tamas, he holds on to what? He holds on to his fear, holds on to sorrow, holds on to pride. That's all, regardless of. These fellows cannot enjoy anything, you know. He cannot enjoy what he has, he always looks at somebody else and then, then he's always jealous, he's always dissatisfied, always complaining, always fearful. He holds on to that. <clears throat> and with pride, he justifies it all. That is the, the resolve or the dhruti of the tamas person. And finally, happiness. Sattvic person, happiness, sattva. Arising from the self. Rajas, arising from the matter. So happiness that is sattvic arises from spirit. Happiness that is rajas arises from matter. And happiness that is tamas doesn't arise from anywhere. It's the delusion of happiness. Just a waste of time. What do you do? Is it just, you know? And so sleeping is a waste of time. Laziness, inadvertence, alasya, pramana, waste of time. Sleeping for the sake of rest is okay. Seeking to avoid, yeah, avoid pain and therefore just withdrawal. So sleeping in terms of dropping out is a waste of time. So tamas is a waste of time. And that is no happiness, it's only a delusion of happiness. Thus Lord Krishna described all these different categories, different aspects of our personality. And in so describing, Lord Krishna described the whole universe. <coughs> Nothing is left. So we'll continue our discussion in the afternoon as to see how the whole samsara will be described by Lord Krishna. And then he will also tell us what's the way of becoming free from samsara. Samsara is described, 
how to slowly and slowly extricate ourselves from samsara, that will be the next topic. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyate Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Punah Punah Ishvara Guru Ratmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om